This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Browns Film Breakdown podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I'm going to talk to you guys about Indochino a company built on custom-fit menswear for any occasion. Whether you have to wear a suit and tie to work, you have a wedding, any formal event, this is the company that I truly suggest. They were able to get me... Um, you know, a streamlined process that was very easy from beginning to end. Just had to get measured, did that on my own, put the measurements into the website, which is easy to do. And uh, they do a phenomenal job of quickly customizing the suit. Tons of great options. There's the R.J. Barrett specific line that he put out. If you follow the NBA draft, you see he wore that pink suit. That was a Indochino custom blazer. He has some great stuff on the website, some awesome custom combinations that you can order and the beautiful part like I said is you can choose your fabric pick those customizations and submit your measurements it's extremely easy packaged get delivered straight to your door in just two weeks you can get measured like I said or you can design uh, your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom they'll do it all for you there or like I said go ahead and do it online put those in right now you can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering that blue wire at checkout plus free shipping that's free shipping Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse not to wear custom-fit clothing. Guys, Browns Phone Breakdown coming up next. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer over at the OBR. Coming at you guys here late Sunday night to talk about what was another disappointing um, disappointing outcome for Cleveland, a 20-13 loss in which it appeared that the Browns, uh, from the beginning of the game, had a, a real um, you know shot to win this game, obviously, and started out pretty clearly in control of this game. And uh, things took a turn, and the offense stumbles, uh, sputters there in the in the early third quarter, really late second half, early third quarter into the fourth quarter before they kick it back in gear. And it is a division loss and a loss that probably eliminates Cleveland from playoff contention because uh, now they, I guess they can get a, a um, you know, if they end up tying Pittsburgh, they have a shot at a tiebreaker if their division record ends up better, if they can sweep um you know, if they can sweep Cincinnati and then um, Pittsburgh loses to Baltimore two times, they could have that tiebreaker. But feels like a long shot at this point, and especially Tennessee is now two and actually three full games ahead of Cleveland at 7-5 and five because they own the head-to-head tiebreaker. So, you know, it is frustrating. This was 
This this is what I equated to um, the Texans game last year when the, when the long shot playoff hopes had a real shot if they won that game. This game was a similar feel where, you know, if Cleveland got to 6-6, six and six, they had Cincinnati twice, Arizona, who showed today that they're still not very good and, uh, you know, had a real – had a real shot at a playoff berth at six and six and sweeping Pittsburgh and having that tiebreaker, but um, it didn't it didn't come to fruition. So we'll kind of go through this and talk about it and see where things fell apart and um, talk about where they go from here. So for the day, uh, what was most frustrating was how balanced Cleveland was in the first half and what it ended up looking like in the um, you know, the final in picture, which was they went for 183 yards in the first half, 92 on the ground, 90 or 92 in the air, 91 on the ground, 46 yards for Kareem Hunt, 43 yards for Nick Chubb, very evenly split, threw the ball effectively, had a touchdown pass to Kareem Hunt, um, you know, 183 yards at outgained Pittsburgh, but the rest of the way, they end up going for 279 total yards, uh, four of 12 on third downs. Actually had one more first down than Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh hit more big plays. Cleveland had nine more offensive plays, um, uh, only 4.4 yards per play, 106 net rushing yards. Only six rushes in the second half, uh, 15 yards, which is which is beyond disappointing. I, I mean, there weren't a ton of opportunities because they fell behind pretty quick in terms of those individual drives. They ran the ball five times in the third quarter, which isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, if, but they had one run in the fourth quarter. They had a real chance there in the fourth quarter. In a specific situation, I thought that they should have been running the football a little bit more. We'll talk about that when we go through the play-by-play. But nonetheless, uh, only 279 total yards, only 173 net passing yards because of uh, five sacks that ended up losing 34 yards. Baker Mayfield won 18 of 32, 196, a touchdown and interception. Um Nick Chubb ends up 16 for 58, 7 for 46 for Kareem. Receiving-wise, Jarvis Landry, 11 targets, 6 catches, 76 yards. He continues on that connection with Mayfield. Their scramble drill connection is pretty phenomenal. That catch on the sidelines in the um, in the first half, first drive, was pretty phenomenal. I think he's sort of taken that role that we saw. Rashard Higgins have a lot of comfort with Mayfield last year. Jarvis Landry is now, you know, is now that guy. Odell Beckham, six targets, three catches, only 29 yards. I don't know what's going on. He's just sort of um, he's just sort of out there. They don't seem to be actively trying to get him the football. Or or even if Baker doesn't want to force it to him wherever he's lining up, he's not, you know, being aligned in the positions that um, are, are going to get him the football, or at least have him a chance to get him the football. So I, I don't know. I, I, I have no answer. I don't understand why they can't throw him, you know, uh, fades up the sideline, one-on-one matchups. They're not really giving him any slant opportunities. I, I don't I don't know. I have no answer, but to pay the guy the money they're paying him and to give up as much as they gave for a guy this talented to just get so little out of him is uh, it's pretty frustrating. Uh, two catches for Steven Carlson for 28 yards. Had a nice chunk play there on the first drive on a square, and he turned into a nice game. He runs really well. I like him. I think he should be a long-term part of things here. Demetrius Harris, one catch on four targets, 23 yards. Uh, pretty disappointing day. Um, tough drop there in the end zone in the fourth quarter. One catch, 21 for Nick Chubb. Five catches, 19 yards, and a touchdown for Kareem Hunt. Uh, three targets, no catches for Richard Higgins. Defensively, um, Mac Wilson had eight tackles. Joe Schobert, seven. Six for Sheldrick Redwine. Five for TJ Carey. Five for Sheldon Richardson. Terrence Mitchell ends up with that interception on the miscommunication hitch fade that Hodges threw. I'm not sure who he was throwing that to. Might have been Jones. 
anyway. A nice interception for him. Who has not? He is not Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell played a lot, so it was good to see him get a little bit of a contribution. Cleveland did turn it over twice, only once um, for Pittsburgh. The fumble for Mayfield in the second half. Just a nice play by Bud Dupree. A hell of a play, really. And then the interception late. Um, time of possession. Cleveland actually has 32 minutes of possession to 27. Pittsburgh dominated the second half possession. And uh, as we all felt there, and I think that was where things started to swing a little bit um, and uh, tilted sort of the second half play totals in, in Pittsburgh's favor. 16 carries for 63 yards for Benny Snell and a touchdown. Uh, Devlin Hodges goes 14 of 21, 212 yards, a touchdown and interception. James Washington, four catches for 111 and a touchdown. Um, Jones with one catch for 28 yards. Jalen Samuels, two catches for 22. Vance McDonald, three for 21. Defensively, uh, Devin Bush had seven tackles. Bud Dupree had six. Tremaine Edmonds, or sorry, Terrell Edmonds had six as well. Javon Hargrave had six. Cameron Hayward had six. Very active up front. That That's pretty alarming. They had uh, one and a half sacks for Dupree, one sack for Hargrave, one sack for T.J. Watt, um, one sack for Cam Sutton, half a sack for Cam Hayward. They had, like I said, five. They had seven, I believe, quarterback hits, and they had six tackles for loss, so... You know, that tells you how much Pittsburgh was playing on the Cleveland side of the uh, of the line of scrimmage. So uh, the, the numbers weren't pretty for either offense. Cleveland, like I said, ends up with 279, only 90, uh, 96 yards in the second half, 323 for Pittsburgh. We're going to jump in to today's podcast and interrupt to talk about ShipStation. Big time of year coming up. Holiday rushes are happening. You might be selling things. You might be shipping gifts. You might be doing a lot of different things that require you sending a package to somebody. And that is where ShipStation can come in and help you out. Whether you have your own prerogative with your own business, or like I said, you personally are just selling some things on the side, ShipStation can help. Just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivering them in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, so you can compare, choose, and select the best solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time and with the best rates available. Take the hass out of holiday shopping and shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it with ease. Just use the offer code BLUE and to get a free 60-day trial that's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, entering that promo code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Now back to Brown's Film Breakdown. You know, I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game, if I'm being honest. I thought it would be something like 17-14 or 17-13, something like that. I thought the winner would get to three scores. We weren't totally wrong. Um, you know, it was still pretty low-scoring, 20-13. to 13. And really, um, let's let's dive into the play-by-play because I thought I thought it was really interesting, you know, from the, from the jump is that Cleveland kind of comes out, dominates quick throws, tempo throws, things that they've done really, really well. And... Um, you know, they go 13 plays, 62 yards. Yeah, they only kick a field goal. Unfortunate that things get stuck down there, um, you know, inside the Pittsburgh. I think that down to the Pittsburgh 11, they could have gotten, or down to the 6. So they could have, they could not have gotten a first down. It was first and goal. It was an outside zone play they ran on the first snap that went for negative one, and then a sack happens on the second play, and then all of a sudden it's third and 12 from the 13. It's third and goal, and uh, they end up kicking a field goal. But it took seven minutes and 29 seconds. I thought Cleveland was taking it to them. Pittsburgh goes three and out. Cleveland gets it back. They end up uh, getting one first down and uh, punting. Pittsburgh gets it back. They get one first down and end up punting. 
And then Cleveland gets it in the second quarter. They go on a pretty long drive again, 10 plays, 70 yards, where they hit pretty nice chunk run plays, a 12-yard run, 9-yard run from Chubb, 11-yard throw to Landry. They, uh, they hit some nice chunk plays that ended putting up down at the uh, <clears throat> Pittsburgh 23. They throw an eight-yard throw, and then on third and five from the 15, they throw a nice little uh, Texas route to Kareem Hunt, which is a nice little sell the flat and put your foot in the ground and uh, peel back inside at a 45-degree angle. So it's a touchdown. It's 10 plays, 70 yards, and they, they take five minutes and 42 seconds, and it looks like they're just going to sort of methodically dominate this game, get out in front the way they did the last game, but unfortunately that is not the way it came to fruition because this, the next time out, Pittsburgh sort of formulates their strategy that they're going to use the rest of the game, which is we don't trust uh, Hodges to, to sit in and make reads and throw, so we're going to put them, Cleveland's going to walk down and face guard us, we're going to put the ball in the air and pressure them on deep throws. So they throw a uh, um, the first fade that impacts is a, is a Hodges to Washington, throw up the left sideline for 31 yards where Greedy Williams is in phase, turns to find the football, and... Uh, and when he turns, he slows down, and the ball's put in a perfect spot. Hodges, I'll give him credit, he threw accurately, puts the ball in a perfect spot, you know, and it's a big play, and I think they started to feel like Pittsburgh, at least with James Washington at that point, hey, we need to keep going to this. I can beat these guys down the field. I track the football better than they do. So they went back to it later. Ended up that Pittsburgh went 10 plays down the field um, after a, a long end-around play for 17 yards. They they go 62 yards, 10 plays. They get a field goal. Cleveland gets it back. Now, this is where things kind of get interesting. You know, at 2.52, you'd like Cleveland to go on a long drive, and I absolutely would like them to go on a long drive too uh, to, to sort of milk the clock and keep it away from uh, Pittsburgh one more time. They end up throwing a quick throw on an RPO to Rashard Higgins. It gets tipped. It's a kind of safer play. Gets tipped. Next play, it's a four-yard gain. So they do run it to get it down to 2.07, and then they throw, uh, you know, on third and six, as you're going to have to, you throw. I don't think it's an irresponsible or loose game plan to – throw two times to one in that situation because you're trying to still get down the field. You have it at your own 24. You think you can score in two minutes and 49 seconds. Not score twice, but just score once, and you're going to have to throw eventually to do that. So they decide to throw on first down, come out, run on second down, get four yards, put it in a third and six manageable. It's unfortunate. Mayfield slides out of the pocket. He actually has Richard Higgins on the dig. He just sort of misses him. He just sort of underthrows it. And unfortunately, they have to punt. And I don't think it was irresponsible. I don't, I don't think you needed to. I mean, you want to bleed the clock there. You want to do all those things. But they weren't playing reckless. They weren't throwing and pushing the ball downfield. They, they they tried to take calculated throws. They just unfortunately missed on the first run pass option. Make a stop, though. You punt it back. Pittsburgh gets it back. Um, you know, at the um, at their own 31-yard line, they, they end up throwing a couple throws to get a first down, call a timeout from their own 42, and then hit a big throw down the middle of the field, which Hodges makes a hell of a catch on for Pittsburgh, 28 yards against cover three up the seam, where he gets hit from behind when the ball, the ball hadn't even arrived and he got hit from behind. He still holds on to make a hell of a catch. Then the next play, they throw another fade route where they get James Washington from a tight alignment, which is what they like to do so they could sort of get that outside angle, put him in a tight alignment, and... Um, you know, Hodges puts another ball out to Washington. He gets grabbed by TJ Carey before, so it's already a pass interference. He still somehow comes down with the football. And that was the, the, the moral of the story is that Cleveland could not consistently stop Pittsburgh from throwing the ball deep downfield, just taking deep shots. Easy throws for the quarterback because there's not much thinking. You just know, hey, I got a one-on-one with this guy. I can hold the safety with my eyes. I can throw it to James, let him make a play on the football. I can still get a pass interference call. They're kicking calculated risks, and those risks worked. It's similar to what those deep shots that Tennessee took in week one, where they don't have 
a functioning quarterback who can sit in the pocket and make multiple reads. He doesn't have a big arm, but he can throw it down the sidelines. He can throw it into a bucket, and that's what they were doing, and that's really where the game swung because if you took that away from Pittsburgh, they weren't running the football well enough. They ran it fine, but they didn't run it well enough to um, you know make Cleveland ultimately respected all that much. He only ran for 63 yards with, with Benny Snell, so it's like the difference was that they were able to throw the football down the perimeter of the field deep shots and it worked out so all of a sudden it's 10-10 Cleveland comes you know and let's address this Cleveland's going to try to score I think that they they came out from their own seven yard line they they ran Kareem Hunt they were, looked like they were content with 55 seconds to go into halftime they run another one for 16 yards they popped it a little bit got it out to the 20 I get it call a timeout they took a shot on 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 first down there from the 20 with 44 seconds left it didn't work out okay we'll run it again if we don't get much we'll just bleed it and go to half they get another 16 yard run though so freddie thinks okay let me call another timeout they get it to the 36 so they say okay let's take some shots down the field here maybe we can draw a pass interference or maybe we can draw um the right coverage and let odell becca make a play it you don't just sit on the football there you, you people are attacking me because um, they don't sit on the football. There, you you go out and play to win. You don't play afraid. You have better perimeter players than Pittsburgh does, and in, in all reality, more talented guys on the outside. Um, you know, give Odell Beckham shots downfield. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Mayfield hits his hand, but you're living in your fears and doing the revisionist history stuff, saying, "Well, they just should have taken it to half." Well, they they broke two runs. If they didn't break a run, they would have just ran the clock out. But it didn't work out that way. So you go out and you take advantage of opportunities. They tried to push it downfield to get, like I said, a big play or a pass interference, take a shot downfield. There wasn't hail marys with air quotes. That's a different scheme. Hail Mary is, hey, we have four wide. We're going to run them into the same area and throw a toss-up jump ball. They're not. Those aren't Hail Marys. Those are low percentage throws, but they give you a chance to, like I said, get a pass interference call. Like if you watch the Chargers-Broncos game, you take those aggressive shots because you never know what can happen. You don't. And at the worst, if it's a, if it's an interception, it's a long punt. So it's a no-brainer there to take this thing into halftime going down the field aggressively after those two long runs. And yeah, in your football fears and your revisionist history, I would say, yeah, probably shouldn't have thrown those because Baker ends up hitting his hand on somebody's face mask. But don't don't say they shouldn't have been aggressive. That's silly. He was calculated aggression. He got two long runs. Then he said from the 36, I can take a couple shots here. Spare me that nonsense. Anyway, Cleveland comes out of halftime. For whatever reason, the Pittsburgh's players gave Mike Tomlin credit for making some adjustment. I got to look at it, and maybe they'll talk about it. Pittsburgh will give a quote about it this week. I don't totally see what they did. It still seemed to me like they were doing many of the same things. Maybe they made a tweak to playing a little bit more man. I got to look at it, but I'm not totally seeing it. But uh, Pittsburgh comes out of halftime, like I said, and... Uh, they just they chunk play uh, a 15 yard pass to to Jalen Samuels. Looked like they were very prepared for what they wanted to do. A couple of chunk runs, a 44 yard again. James Washington catch up the right sideline. This one on Denzel Ward, where I thought Ward was in perfect phase. Back to his old Ohio State days, face guarding, which is fine. He shoots the hands through, but sometimes when the ball is perfectly thrown. There's nothing you can do, and it was caught uh, as as is obvious, um, you know, because James Washington, dating back to his Oklahoma State days, a very good late hand catcher on those fades, doesn't give you an idea the ball's coming and when it's arriving. It was a perfect catch on a perfect throw. You want Denzel to break that up, but it didn't. It didn't work out. I mean, that's the beauty of that throw is. You know, it's an us or nobody situation. I wish the Browns were taking more of those. They did a little bit last week against Miami, but I wish the Browns would give their own number 13 that opportunity. And um, But that was the difference. There were three plays over 30 yards to James Washington, and that's why he had four catches for 114 yards. 
That's the difference. That's all the offense that Pittsburgh was able to muster. Not two plays later, they they score, so it ends up 17-10, and it's totally changed the complexion of the game based on two long throws to James Washington that end up resulting in either the touchdown or the big play that led to the touchdown. Seven plays, 69 yards, um, four minutes and 24 seconds. The holidays are here. Perhaps you have a brother. Perhaps your father needs a gift. You can't think of what to give him. Well, give him the opportunity to use Harry's razors this holiday season with a great gift. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th. I'm telling you guys, you got to act now. It's a great deal for you and for him. Holiday sets start at just $20. Well within those annoying Secret Santa, White Elephant, whatever trading gift limits that your family might have. Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your guy will save money over time. It comes with a ready-to-gift box and a handsome holiday gift package done up for you guys, and your gift gives back 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the Browns Film Breakdown, we partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, which is a nice bonus. You'll continue to get that free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle, the option to engrave if you're into that kind of customization. Five-blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. The Browns Come back out. They actually put together a decent little drive. They get a couple first downs, uh, get one on fourth and one where Nick Chubb does a fantastic job, which I don't think running backs do enough when it's not on the goal line, which was hurdle over a congested middle to get that first down. But then two plays later, Mayfield scrambling to his left because his tackles were just getting abused, like in a rotating choir between um, you know Chris Hubbard and Justin McCray. Justin McCray, I feel bad for him. They're putting him in that situation. He's just too slow. He just can't kick stuff. And then Pittsburgh plays these wide defensive end roles, outside linebackers that are rush guys, and Dupree and, and Watt, and they just come after you from a wide angle. And if you can't get wide, if you can't kick step deep, you're in trouble. That's what happens. And, um, you know, it rotated back and forth. Mayfield gets pressured on this one from Dupree, who ends up making the, the strip sack. Pittsburgh gets it back uh, at their own uh, 48 they end up going down the field 10 plays, 35 yards. The Browns did a nice job of holding them to a field goal there to make it 20-10. to 10. And that really is the beginning of the fourth quarter. And uh, from there we get one run from Nick Chubb at, at, at uh, the 13-42 mark for three yards, and that was the only run in that quarter from Nick Chubb. The Browns have to punt after going three and out to start the quarter. Pittsburgh gets it back. They punt after a three and out. Cleveland gets it back, and they march down the field. They do a nice job. They hit it up for 19 yards off of one of the few rare play action from under center schemes, which is something they've been doing really well lately. Didn't see enough of it. Uh, they get 19 yards, 21-yard throw to Nick Chubb. They hit Demetrius Harris up the right hash for 23 yards when Pittsburgh, their Mike and Will, um, or it could have been their nickel backer, um, nickel uh, corner, both bid on the square end, and that left the uh, seam route open to Demetrius Harris. So they have it down inside Pittsburgh's, uh, you know, 10-yard line, 14-yard line is actually where they're at. They they try to throw uh, – Mayfield scrambles out of the pocket, has to throw high, getting pressured. The next play they throw what I thought should, was going to be a touchdown to Demetrius Harris. He goes up to catch it, catches it, comes down, ball comes out when he comes down. Uh, look, Demetrius Harris is not a number one tight. It sucks watching Darren Fells do his thing and – 
in Houston. I got to continue to say, Darren Fells, although he had a nice little connection with Mayfield, the throws of which Fells caught were so ridiculously easy. The, the degree of difficulty by which Harris is being asked to play is is at a much higher rate than Darren Fells is being asked to play. And even, um, you know, looking at what Harris did in Kansas City, it's a much higher degree of difficulty this year. And it's big because he's not a tight end one. He's a tight end two. That's what they needed was a tight end two is more consistent. Harris was a more consistent blocker than Fells was last year. So I understood that move when they made it. Yeah, hindsight, revisionist stuff. Fells is having a great year in Houston. You say, I want that guy back. That's fine, but that's not what it looked like at the time of that signing. He needed a big body um, who could block, and and unfortunately Harris has been thrust into more tight end one snaps with the injury to David Njoku. I think if you had Darren Fells here trying to do tight end one stuff, you'd be frustrated with him. Houston's just been putting him in a you know pretty nice uh, role for them where he's he's just been able to catch some touchdowns for him, and that's what you see. That's what pops up. Uh, Deshaun Watson, credit to them, they're using him well, but I think if you put Demetrius Harris and what they're asking him to do in Houston, he'd do it just as well. So. I get it. It sucks seeing somebody else who was here last year do well, but let's look at the degree of difficulty for the plays that they were asking Darren Fells to make, and it really they weren't that hard. These are much tougher plays Demetrius Harris is being asked to do, and that's why it's unsweetened because these are plays that you know David. So unfortunately, Cleveland has to settle for a field goal there, a 35-yarder. But then they come back out and they get a big break at the 7:30 mark, right? They get an interception by Terrence Mitchell, which is huge. He returns it all the way down to the Pittsburgh 30. They're set up seven minutes and 30 seconds. Had a good feeling about it, but they throw three straight times. I just, I don't, I don't want to complain about play calling all too much because I thought the schemes they were using were working for the most part, and they had great balance in the first half. Then the second half. I get it. You you feel like you don't have the ball enough because Pittsburgh sort of dominated the third quarter and really portions of the fourth quarter. It makes you feel like you're down by more than you are. But you've got to come out here and remember you're only one score down. They take a deep shot to Landry up the left sideline. gets broken up on a hell of a play. I have to look at it again, but it, it certainly looked like the corner. Mike Hilton made a hell of a play on that football. The second down play, they try to throw to Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, he gets tackled by Terrell Edmonds, which, you know, at the line of scrimmage on a late check down, and then the third play is a negative eight-yard sack. And then they don't even get a field goal out of it because they take a sack on Javar Hargrave where Wyatt Teller is tripped and falls. And, and, and it leads to the pressure that Mayfield has no chance. And, you know, when Pittsburgh had their ears pinned back on these throwing situations, it just felt like Cleveland had no chance most of the time unless Mayfield made a heroic play. So that's where I'm frustrated. I think you needed to try to at least run the football once there. That's all I'm asking is see if you can find a scheme that you really like and just run it once to keep them honest. They didn't do that. They don't get anything out of the drive because if you run for five yards and then you lose eight on a sack, you're about, you know, at the 31, 32 yard line, you can at least kick a field goal. You get something out of it. You don't feel deflated. They do kick it down to the one yard line. A nice job by Cybert to kick it down there and down it. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, then though, they're able to bleed it. The first play, they run for 11 yards. They end up picking up two first downs, I believe. That allows them to bleed the clock all the way down to the two-minute mark. Cleveland stops them, gets it back, and then from there it's a couple throws to you know one to Landry, one to Hunt. I think one uh, the Hunt throw you get a roughing the passer, which puts the ball out to the 35, five-yard pass uh, to to Kareem Hunt. Then it's at the 40, and then you get the interception, which people are trying to say it was Mayfield's fault. It's, it's really not. If you if you look at the play, I, I wrote it up for the OBR. It is a um, 
you know, it's just a, it's a four vertical seam out of a three by one set, and you teach your quarterbacks and your slot receivers in this situation that the bender happens if it's a if it's a too high or open coverage, you bend inside the uh, to the open middle of the field. But um, you know, if it's closed, meaning single high or three deep or whatever, single high closed coverage, middle of the field safety, then you stay vertical to sort of allow uh, time and a window for your quarterback to put it on the receiver. Usually quarterbacks that they're taught at a young age is to look that single safety off and throw the opposite direction. But in this play, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the alignment because they had a weird safety alignment where they're on the boundary and they had an extra uh, safety to the to, to, to the left of Mayfield, which is kind of deep. You can barely see him. I put it on Twitter, that video. You can really barely see him. Um, but they play a three-deep shell to the field where they have a, a single safety running middle. Um, Edmonds is running deep uh, deep left, and then sort of playing that deep third is Joe Hayden. For some reason, Landry bends it inside once he clears uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's rolling down to play middle of the field robber coverage, and, and Mayfield's expecting him to just stay vertical, and that's why the ball looks like it's behind him, but that's Mayfield throwing to the spot he's expecting Landry to be, and he's not there. Landry, Landry read it incorrectly. Um, I'm not sure why he read it incorrectly because there's no safety to his side of the field to tell him it's open. If you look at the play, or the post play, Freddie goes to ask Ryan Lindley, the quarterback coach, why, what happened, and he pretty clearly hears the hand gesture that it should have been a, a vertical run. And then you know Lindley and and Landry are talking there. It, you know it's a miscommunication. It's it's happening far too often. It's it's something that you could point to and say these guys are poorly coached. There's poor communication going on between position groups. It shouldn't be at the NFL level a hard concept to understand that that needs to be staying vertical. I don't know. It just it's a microcosm of this year that they're four or five plays off a game, and and it's just uh, it's tough. It's unfortunate. It's 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 sad because this is the year that we were the most excited about, and they're not there. I, I'm not I'm not ready to make sweeping decisions on. The coaching staff still, I need four more games to see sort of where this team is. I know that they're still young. They're one of the youngest teams in the NFL still. They're still really trying to figure out who they are. I know uh, we wanted to bring in some of this talent and infuse it, and it's going to click right away. Fortunately, that hasn't happened. I will just tell you not to bail. Like, this team could go 8-8. Eight and eight. They could get to that or 9-7, and seven, which is a slight improvement. You get another year together, another offseason together. And then you figure out some of the missing pieces, and then you go into another year of working together. It is not easy. Sometimes it happens. It happens for some franchises, but it doesn't for others. It is not easy, guys, to throw it all together like they've thrown it all together. And sometimes bumps in the road happen. And unfortunately, those bumps in the road have cost the Browns a few games. Um, but but I just I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up hope. They have a they have a first round pick that could be in the middle of the first round. They can get offensive tackle help. They can sign some people, um, you know, to, to make it all to make it all work up front. They need three offensive linemen. There's no doubt about that. And they need tackles who can protect. They don't have that right now, clearly. Um, I don't know where that comes from. Does it come from the draft? Does it come from free agency? We're going to have to see. I haven't even entered the thought process with that stuff. I know some of the names, but I don't really want to dig into it till the season's over because that's a long process. But my point is they have to figure it out up front. I think the, 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 the big mistake was missing on Corbett because it really puts them behind the eight ball that they have to spend more draft capital on um, linemen and they're going to have to spend more free agency money on linemen when they could have had a cheap rookie contract with Austin Corbett as a functional player um, in your offensive line. A young player because Joel Batonio is getting a little older. You know, J.C. Treader just re-signed, but he's getting a little older. 
You need young players that are impactful. I would not be surprised on any limit to offensive line draft capital and free agency capital that the Browns use because they know, they know when it gets to third down and long, which they've been in far too long, or second and long, that they're in trouble. They can't protect their young quarterback, and it has given him a roller coaster of a season, and it's put him under so much duress. Not that Mayfield does not deserve blame for what's going on too, but you know, I, I tweeted it earlier, when you have to make – somebody missing the pocket all the time or, or, or your your uh, protection is so dependent on you making movement vital movement important movement in the pocket it, it just makes it such a mental hurdle for you as a quarterback that you cannot always focus on what's going on downfield because you're constantly cognitive of what's going on in the pocket because you don't trust those guys in front of you and Wyatt Teller has not been as consistent as I would hope. Like I said, they have Treader and Batonio you feel good about. Chris Hubbard cannot be retained, like flat out has to be let go. I don't know where they sit on Greg Robinson. Um, you know, I still think Greg can be a functional piece of an offense, but they have to look to improve that position. I, they got to figure it out. It's not for me to decide, and it's too early for me, too early for me to be investing much thought in it because they still have four games left. But hopefully they can figure it out because there are some good pieces here. They have to remake some things, the safety group, figure out what linebacker will be the will long-term. Some of those things have to still come together. But for the most part, it's a pretty solid roster that they just have to figure out where they take the offensive line and, 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 and how the structure and identity of this offense will be going forward because it should be better than this. Even playing the ridiculous number of good defenses they've played, it should be it should be better and more potent and more um, efficient than what it is right now. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we see good things the rest of the way. I'm not giving up on this whole thing. I think I think I've obviously wanted it to go. Life's about expectations. I think more than anything else, you, you know, expectations play such a role in, in letdown and 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 where your mind goes with things that you care about. Um, my expectations were not met. I don't think your expectations were met, but that doesn't mean we should throw the product aside because there are some very, very redeemable pieces on this roster. And um, I just hope December comes and goes with some wins. Um, and it doesn't mean it's a crumbling locker room. And, and I don't know. The coaching, I will say, Freddie has four weeks to prove his worth the rest of the way. If they lose some of these games they're not supposed to, it could get extremely interesting for a one-and-done scenario. And I'm not sitting here saying that's what I want, but it is in play if they do not play well. The Bengals got to win. They're playing better. They're going to come in confident next week. So we will see how it shakes out, guys. That's all I have for this week's episode of Browns Film Breakdown. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you can find some solace in this. Hope you could find some understanding. Always love the iTunes love. Leave me a comment, please. I really urge you. I like to know what you're thinking. Somebody told me I'm not speaking loud enough. I'm trying to improve that or that the show drags a little bit with how I'm doing it. I, I really enjoy your feedback, letting me know how I can improve this experience for you. If you want me to open up a mailbag where I can answer specific questions, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, I, I, whatever you know is is helpful to help you understand what's going on with the game, where it all is shaking out on the field, and, and if I can give you some information about some of my thoughts and, and where I think the team's going or I think it happened on the field, I can always try to do that for you too. So always feel free to leave comments on the Browns Film Breakdown uh, Twitter page, and we will open up uh, questions there. If, if that's something you'd like, let me know. So otherwise, appreciate you uh, listening as always, and, and we'll be back next week with a Bengals preview, hopefully with some good news on Sunday, a win maybe. Until then... I appreciate you guys, and have a good week. Go Browns.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.